0: I have a hit or miss,
1: and that's really not at all clear to me which one it is, which is this idea of a business shower. You know how people have wedding showers Mm. and baby showers? Well, Mm -hmm. some of these people are deciding, well, I may not be having a baby right now, but I am Mm -hmm. starting a business. I am an entrepreneur, and that's the reason that we should start having a business shower. It doesn't work. Does it bring together and increase retail? Is it smart for the person
0: who show, who, who who throws their own shower? Mm. This is the first time I'm hearing of it, but <laughs> it sounds it sounds fascinating. Um, I think, like from from one perspective, it sounds like a really great idea in the sense of like you know wedding showers, baby showers, that kind of thing. Therefore, your friends and family to like help you along in a certain period mm. of, of your life. So, like, the arguably founding a business is a really similar thing where, like, you're probably sticking your exactly. neck out a little bit to do this. So, mm. it gives friends and family the option to purchase something that's going to actually help you. Mm. um, in your pursuit of the thing. So I kind of, I, I kind of like it from that perspective of like, I do think that there would be a, you know, a subset of people around an entrepreneur who would love to help them kind of get their feet wet, especially if they're, you know, brand new. So
1: just for the sake of argument, I'm going to, I'm going to put the devil's advocate here. I actually (laughs) think the idea is interesting, but let me throw this out there because I mean, it's sort of like, what would be the difference between doing this barber and, and doing something that would be almost like housewarming? Or something that was not so gender uh, gender linked, let's say, because I'm wondering. You know, I'm thinking about the the, the female entrepreneur, and maybe you know, maybe if this is for her, if, and maybe it's totally misogynistic for me to even suggest this, but if this is for the the female entrepreneur, it may it may seem kind of like, well, what aren't we aren't we trying to move away from? These traditional kinds of things, you know, a shower and here, you know, and the girls come and blah blah blah. It, you know, <laughs> I, do I think don't know. it's Gender-free. I think I think it, that there okay. are other ones. Like, there's a business gift registry, which is another website where you can register for the gifts you need for your business. So, so, so it's it's a shower broadly defined. It's not to be taken as serious. Like, the, my my, it won't be all my buddies showing up and putting cigars in my mouth. It, it won't be like that. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, I don't know. possible it started out gender, but I don't think it, it's it's a hundred percent that I do. I do. Um, so I thought one that could be interesting to talk about is Casper partnering with bed, bath and beyond. So Mm. in case you guys haven't heard about this, so Casper decided to do a shop and shop within bed, bath and beyond. And it's Mm -hmm. its first ever kind of shop -shop with a retailer. Um, so, I mean, there are two ways to look at this because you can look at it from, is it a hit for Casper or is it a hit for bed, bath and beyond? I think for Bed Bath & Beyond, it's definitely a hit because they're in the middle of this like huge turnaround. They're trying to get people to come back into stores. They're trying to really like revamp their private labels, like revamp the in-store experience. And this kind of shows them as associated with this like hip, like more popular direct consumer brand. Um, so I think for Bed Bath & Beyond, it's it, it feels like a hit to me for mm-hmm. Casper. I'm mm. kind of undecided. Mm. <laughs> mm. that's, I, I don't know if you guys have been following, but it feels like they're making wholesale partnerships with everybody lately. Yeah, I'm gonna
1: uh, I'm gonna say it's a hiss because <laughs> <laughs> I cause I I love what it's doing for Bed Bath and Beyond, because I totally agree with that analysis, uh, in the sense of the brand Halo and like, wow, that's a great signal. For folks who would say that, okay, you know, Bed Bath and Beyond is kind of cool and hip and and, and on the rise and coming back, but I st- I'm just not clear what what it what does Casper get out of this, even in terms of just distribution, right? Because they are, I mean, I would love to know, Barbara, like the percentage of DTC sales versus uh, otherwise for for Casper, for example, and just understand a bit of those economics a little bit more. So I so I'm a little bit unclear. So I'm gonna say
0: it's kind of a hit,
1: definitely a hit for uh, a hit for Bed Bath and Beyond. And a question mark for for Casper.
0: Yeah, so this is an interesting space. I don't generally cover toys, but I I kind of wanted to look into like, there are a couple of players that are doing some interesting stuff in terms of the in-store experience. And it feels really different from what Toys R Us was doing. So like when I think of a Toys R Us, I think of it being kind of like, a standalone location where, like, you have to kind of decide you want to go to Toys R Us in order mm-hmm. to end up at Toys R Us. <laughs> so, so some of the players that I kind of took a look at that are approaching this in different ways, um, Lego is one of them, and they're kind of embarking on this whole store revamp strategy, and they've got some flagships that they're opening. And so, I kind of looked at the New York flagship that they were opening in particular, and it's got you know all of these brick models everywhere. It's got all of these different kind of areas where they're trying to engage kids physically playing with Legos. And then also they're trying to tie in some of those digital and personalization kind of elements. So there are a couple different areas where you can like personalize a a mini Lego figure of yourself, for example, or like you can create a (laughs) a mosaic out of Legos, (laughs) like some really cool stuff. And then um, there's also some digital experiences. So like, there's like a, a, an AR kind of experience that you have to pay for, but like, it's kind of mixing these physical and digital um, experiences, which is kind of an interesting an interesting way to go about it. And then camp is the other one I looked kind of a little more in-depth at. And that one's an interesting one because they don't consider themselves a toy store necessarily. So they don't, they wouldn't call themselves a toy store. They mm. call themselves, I think, a, a family experience center.
1: I think this is related to the point that you always make about experience, experience, experience. Yeah, That's replacing location, location, location. But the idea that you know, I mean, I, I love the, I love thinking through the hypothesis that when you're in the play mode, when you're there playing, you know, how does the buying decision process change? Like you're feeling emotions, you're happy, you're with your, you're having fun. It's it probably it's probably easier to buy more, spend more, you know, and consume more but just because of the emotionality that's being created just as a function. You've changed kind of the purpose of the of the score space into this really interesting, more experiential more kind of you know let's connect and then oh by the way we might buy something. probability of buying probably may it go up will. i don't know it might be a 2 two-tailed hypothesis but it's kind of it's interesting certainly the
0: hope yeah yeah for more insight from business radio please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu